morning, everyone. It's good to see you. We're, it's always good to be together on the Lord's Day, celebrate what He has done, what He is doing in us and through us. We're going to look today at the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is, is a great place for us to look because it speaks about wisdom. Boy, if there's anything that we need in this life, it's that, isn't it? We need wisdom. We need wisdom for every day. And so uh, we're going to see what uh, the Proverbs say a little bit this morning about wisdom. We're going to look at this topic for our consideration. So if you'll take your Bibles and turn with me to Proverbs chapter 1, I want to read first for you verses 1 through 7. And then I want to skip to chapter 3, and I'm going to read for you verses 13 through 26. So chapter 1, verses 1 to 7. Let's give our attention then to this part of God's Word. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding, to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, to the youth, knowledge, and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. To understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now from chapter 3, I'm going to read for you verses 13 through 26. Verse 13, How blessed is the man who finds wisdom, and the man who gains understanding. For her profit is better than the profit of silver, and her gain better than fine gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire compares with her. Long life is in her right hand, in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who hold her fast. The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, He established the heavens. By His knowledge, the deeps were broken up, and the skies drip with dew. My son, let them not vanish from your sight. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, so that they will be life to your soul and adornment to your neck. And then you will walk in the way securely, and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden fear, nor of the onslaught of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence, and He will keep your foot from being caught. This is... This is God's Word. This is what He has given us today. This is what we're to know Him by. Um, let's begin then with a word of prayer and ask His help. Father, we do come this morning asking for Your help, Your guidance, and Your wisdom. We thank You that the Scripture says that if any man lacks wisdom, he can ask of You, that You will give it to us and that You'll give it to us without upbraiding us or giving us a hard time for asking. We thank you that we can ask you about all things in life, and we pray 
that you'll open the eyes of our hearts, you'll open our understanding, you'll enable us to see and hear and take in all that you have for us in these, in these passages. And we pray, praying it all in Jesus' holy name. Amen. I imagine that uh, all of us would like to be thought of as wise. We would like to be thought of us, we would like to be thought of those who have biblical wisdom, who have real wisdom, who have practical wisdom. In fact, when we look at the Bible, the Bible has a whole lot to say about wisdom, not just in the Proverbs, but James uh, and other places. And we're going to look at some of those today. But the whole book of Proverbs is about wisdom. And of course, when you, when you know anything about wisdom literature in the Bible, there are two other books that are primarily the ones that we think about when we think of, of wise sayings and wisdom literature, and those are Job and Ecclesiastes. Now, two of the three have been written by Solomon. And Solomon was the one that was acclaimed throughout Scripture as one of the wisest men to ever live. So we're going to look today at Solomon's writings. We're going to look at what he said by the power of the Holy Spirit guiding him. We're going to look at how wisdom is extolled in these verses and talk about those a little bit. But I wanted to give you just a few examples for you to think about what, what the Scripture does say about wisdom. From the 11th chapter of Proverbs, it says, When pride comes in, then comes dishonor. But with, with the humble is wisdom. Psalm 111.10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who keep His commandments. His praise endures forever. Proverbs 28, Whoever walks in wisdom will be kept safe. Proverbs 3.13, How blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the person who gains understanding. Her profit is better than silver or fine gold. So over and over again, we have wisdom and how valuable it is. Wisdom, what it does for us. Wisdom, how it gives us a wise counsel for living and all that we need. One Bible teacher described what wisdom is this way. He said, it is competence with regard to the complexities of life. Competence regarding the complexities of life. Wisdom is not just knowledge. It's not just knowing the right choices to make, but wisdom is evidently as God makes us the right kind of people, then we can make the right kind of decisions. You know, there's no three steps, do these three things and you're going to be wise, you know. It's, it's not like putting coins in a vending machine and wisdom somehow pops out. You know, wisdom takes time. Wisdom takes effort. It takes study. It's not something that just comes to you overnight. So uh, this is something that, that we want to get, but just think it's not one of those things that's just going to pop out to us and all of a sudden we're going to be wise. Well, today I wanted us to look at four particular areas. The first one is what wisdom is. The second one, where it comes from. The third one, how wisdom calls out to us. And the fourth one, that wisdom is a person. So let's look then at chapter one for the first one and talk about what wisdom is. Uh, it says here that there are 
a number of words. Uh, in, the, in Proverbs chapter 1, there are a number of words that are given to us which, which are almost synonyms for, for what wisdom is. These words begin with verse 2 where we look and see it says, The wisdom is skillfulness, the ability to use knowledge aright, and it occurs 37 times in this one book, this one word for skillfulness or wisdom. The next word we see in verse 3 is the word that literally means intelligence, but it's also translated understanding. So intelligence and understanding. Verse 3, wisdom produces righteousness, judgment, or justice. So wisdom brings about justice. And then uh, the ability also to judge things rightly, correctly. Then the next verse has the word prudence in it and, the, and discretion or thoughtfulness. So you see where all of this is going? You see how many of these synonyms are, are words that are used interchangeably basically for, for the word wisdom. It's like uh, uh, in Psalm 119 where all those words are used, commands, the word of God, the instructions, all those things. Here again, God is giving us over and over again the whole notion of what wisdom is by letting us see these. It's knowledge, skillfulness, understanding, judgment, prudence. It's discretion and thoughtfulness. It's instruction that comes about by means of discipline. One of the word points out that, that, um, that wisdom comes through this, almost through a chastening process. As we go through the chastening, we become you would come out on the other end wiser uh, as we have experienced those things. So what is wisdom? Wisdom is all of these things. Look at all these biblical words. So where does wisdom come from? Well, we have it in verse 7, don't we? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. But also in Psalm 111.10 where it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Both of these remind us that the, the fear of the Lord is the place to start. It's the wise place to start. I thought it was interesting in the um, deliberations of the General Assembly, and I believe it was last year, there was some discussion about whether or not certain people who were not Christians could, be there, could give testimony in a, in a church court or in a church um, trial of some sort because they say they don't have basic wisdom. They don't fear the Lord. They haven't put their trust in Christ. So do we want to take their word on everything? I thought that was an interesting discussion. Well, Psalm 111.10 says the fear of the Lord is the beginning. It's where we start. It's where we begin to be wise. Now the term the fear of the Lord, you know, also doesn't just mean being afraid of God. Of course, there should be uh, that there should be some evidence of fear in there because you know God is the great and the one in whom there is holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. And for us to take that in any way slightly would not be good. It's not good for us. But it means more that leaning towards reverence, towards awe, 
towards wonder. So our fear of the Lord is that reverence, awe, and wonder that we understand when we are in the presence of that holy God. It reminds me of what happened to Peter that time. You remember Peter was out with his friends and they'd been fishing and they'd fished all night. And Jesus walks up to the shore and he comes up to the shore where they're all bringing their nets in and completing their work because they've been out all night. And the crowd has followed Jesus and it's such a huge crowd that Jesus needs to get in the boat. So he gets in the boat and pushes out a little bit from the land and he teaches the crowd for a long time. And then when he's through, he looks at Peter and his friends and he says, okay, push out. Let's go out into the deep water. And Peter's a little reluctant. Remember, he's been out fishing all night and he hadn't caught anything. And Peter looks at the Lord and he says, Lord, I'll go out, but I want to tell you, we've been out all night and we hadn't caught anything. But because you asked me, I'll go. So, you know, they go out and they go out from the shore a good bit and pretty soon he throws the nets in and they're full of fish. They've just grabbed so many fish that the boats are about to sink. And Peter falls down at Jesus' feet and he says, Go away from me, Lord, because I am a sinful man. In other words, the awe, the wonder, the reverence that he felt at that particular moment, because who can do that? Who can take you out into a place where you fished and fished and fished and there's nothing, and all of a sudden you throw your nets in and you gate? I mean, you've got so many fish, you're going to sink the boats. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. And that's what Peter thought to himself. Who is this? And he fell down in the boat and he worships the Lord. He was overwhelmed with the majesty, the wonder, the awe of who God is. We must, of course, know that wisdom begins there with that awareness of the glory of God, of the majesty of God, of the power of God. And that we must listen to this God. You see, if the, if the fear of the Lord begins with God, then it, it includes listening to all that He says to us. Inclu we, take, we, take, we don't take it for granted. We don't take it with a grain of salt. It, it is His Word, what He says to us. So with awe and wonder and with the majesty of who God is, we understand and listen to His words because His words give us wisdom. The first commandment says this, you shall have no other gods before me. In other words, we listen to his words. We don't have, we don't say, okay, I'm going to become a wise person. So I'm going to go to the University of North Carolina. I'm going to get four years there. Then I'm going to go to Duke and get a master's degree. Then I'm going to go to Harvard and I'm going to get a PhD. And when I come away from all that, I'm going to be wise. No, because that's not all, that's man's wisdom. That's not all God's wisdom. That doesn't make you, all the degrees in the world aren't going to make you wise. Now, there's nothing wrong with getting degrees, but we don't look on those as the only source of wisdom. Where are we going for wisdom? For the Lord gives wisdom from His mouth come knowledge and understanding. You know, we are to go to Him first. In this book, there are, Two women, and these two women are opposed to each other. Both of them are women who claim to be wise, and both of them stand up 
to pull people in and say, come listen to me. The first woman in the book of Proverbs here is called uh, the woman wisdom. And the second woman is called the woman of folly. But they both start out the same way. They both get in a public place and they call out to people and they say, come listen to me. One says, I wisdom dwell with prudence. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, arrogance, and the evil way. What does this woman say? Well, this first woman says, here's, here's where you get wisdom. The fear of the Lord is where you get wisdom. And to hate evil, to hate pride, to hate arrogance, to hate the evil way. What does the other woman say? Well, the other woman doesn't stand in the city center. She stands in front of her front door, it seems. And she stands at the gate of her house and she says, Stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. Now, Trimper Longman, the uh, commentator, writes this. She's called the Lady Folly and her meal appeals to the baser instincts of humans. The water is stolen and the food is eaten in secret. Uh, the latter implies that there is something to hide. Judith McKinley provides an analogy supporting the idea that um, this is stealing or savoring and delighting in stolen food. And those are long been part of the coded language for the prostitutes. So what the commentator is saying, what he's, Dr. Longman is saying is, this reminds us that this second woman, this woman called the woman of folly, standing at her house and she starts out and she says, stolen water is sweet. What she's referring to is a life against God's wisdom, that she is, is using, she's claiming wisdom uh, for herself, but what she says is stolen food is pleasant or maybe stolen relationships Sexual relationships are exciting and are to be desired and uh, looked after. Well, the Proverbs tell us that there are basically two ways for life portrayed by those two women. One way is the way of the fear of the Lord, which leads to wisdom and leads to life and prosperity. The other way is to satisfy your own needs, look at yourself first, do what you want, take care of your own, you know, look at your inner self and follow that, whatever. And what you end up with is a life of selfishness and a life of immorality, basically. The Proverbs, there are these two paths, and it's pretty clear from reading the Proverbs where each one is going. In fact, in the book of Proverbs, you see in, in chapter 1, when the youths go the wrong way and the father and the mother are saying, don't go that way, beginning at verse uh, 8. Now, in this book, as we've seen, wisdom is the one that calls out to those who pass by. And wisdom says to all who walk by, to you, O men, I call. My voice is to the sons of men. Listen, for I will speak noble things. My mouth will utter truth. That's from Proverbs chapter 8. Wisdom calls out to everyone. And it's like, in a sense, the gospel message. The message of truth, the message of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is calling out to everyone. 
in our culture. It's calling out to everyone. And all of us are responsible to listen because we've been created in the image and likeness of God. And so we're responsible to God to listen to what He says. Nobody can stand up to God and say, well, God, I, I didn't know anything. God says, oh, yes, you did. You knew things. Romans 1 tells us you knew things and you suppressed the knowledge that you had about God. You pushed Him away. You didn't want Him. You went your own way. But the, but the message is for all of us. The message is for all of us who are creatures of God, that we belong to God and that we, re, that we need a relationship with Him above all things. In chapter 1 at verse 8, the author says, Listen, my son, to a father's instruction. You see, there's two groups that are kind of pointed out in this book to listen. And the first one is young people. First thing he says is, my son, I want you to listen. And over and over again through the next chapters, chapters 3 through 7, it begins with the father instructing his son. But it's, it's the father and the mother's teaching both. Listen to your parents is basically the essence of this. Listen to your parents. Listen to those who've raised you. Listen to the message that should be coming from them. Now, of course, you know, this is, the Bible's message is going to come from those who have committed themselves to it. Not all of our fathers and mothers got it right, did they? We didn't all have Christian mom and dads. We didn't all who have, have Christian mom and dads who pointed us in the direction. But those of us who have had that ought to really be thankful. Ought to really be thankful for that grace and blessing. So he's saying, here are the parents who understand the fear of the Lord and they need to instruct their children. And so he says, young people, listen up. So the Proverbs is a book that we ought to, of course, always point out to young people that young people ought to always listen to this because this is where we learn the fear of the Lord. Now Solomon says, uh, listen and incline your heart to my sayings. Listen to the instructions of your fathers. The older and wiser father is giving instruction to all these young people. And he's saying, listen to the message. This is the way to live your life. This is how to act. This is how we're supposed to live our lives. You know, um, I'm thankful for my mom and dad. I'm thankful for the way they raised me. They... They gave me the opportunity to go to church every Sunday. They took me. They didn't just drop me off. They um, prayed with us at night and in the morning before we went to school. We understood what we were supposed to do because we understood what integrity was, what a life given to God was to be. And they, they loved us that way and they taught us that way. And boy, I'm thankful. That was a blessing. You know... They're saying, this is the way to live. This is the chosen path. This is the way we're to walk, how we're to act. And then they said, these are the sins that are going to destroy your life. The Proverbs tells you. And it's really open. He says, here's some of the things that are going to destroy your life. If you go down this path, this is not going to end well, you know. If you follow this path, this is not going to end well for you. In chapter 1, verses 8 through 19, Solomon warns those who want to get rich by violence. He says, young people, listen. If somebody comes up to you and says, okay, we're going to form a gang. We're going to get together in this group. 
and we're going to go out and we're going to we're going to fight people. We're going to extort them with guns or with knives or with violence. We're going to take what they have. Solomon says, if you listen to them and if you join in them, your life with them, your life will actually be at risk yourself. It's not the the people that you're ambushing who are going to be hurt. It's you. You're setting your life up for that. <clears throat> so it's a very clear warning to young people about violence and about a life of crime. In chapter 5, he warns young people against Im immorality and sexual sin, and he promotes faithfulness and joy that's found in marriage. And it's very open. It's very clear. Speaking to young people about what is right in regard to marriage and sexuality and men and women relationships. So in Proverbs, <clears throat> the author, Solomon, is talking to us. He's, he's saying, okay, he's speaking to the young people. And he says, here's wisdom that you ought to get from your parents. Here's the wisdom that you ought to understand. The second group he speaks to are called the simple. Now, who are these folks? Well, the simple are spoken of as naive or unsophisticated, but teachable. In other words, people who are naive and unsophisticated, but yet willing to listen to instruction. And so he's willing to teach them. Now, there are actually four groups that he speaks to. Two of them will listen and two of them won't listen. He says the first one is the youth that we just talked about, the second are the simple, the unsophisticated but teachable. And then he says there are the mockers and there are the people who scorn what is told. And then there's just the plain fool. The fool just will not listen because he's convinced that there is no God and he's not going to listen. So these are the four types of people that he addresses within the context of the book of Proverbs. But the simple people, he said, uh, these folks need to learn wisdom. They need to learn the wisdom about life. They need to begin by fearing the Lord, just like the young people. And they need to follow what the scripture says. But the mockers, let's talk about them for a moment. He says, remember that the mockers are those who refuse to listen they mock God, they mock God's truth, and they turn away from it. Uh, some of you, <clears throat> um, I, I think I've used this illustration before that I was invited by our youngest daughter to the campus at UNC one time. And there were going to be two speakers. One was going to be uh, opposed to Christianity and he refused to believe in God because of the problem of suffering. He said the, the problem of suffering, if there is a good God, how can there be suffering in the world? And then the uh, other person that was speaking that night was a Christian who was actually defending uh, what the scriptures say and addressing from a Christian standpoint the whole problem of suffering. Now, I say to you that that was not very pleasant to watch because the one man that was against the Christian faith was using a lot of Christian background and things to 
subvert the arguments to go underneath them to cut out the foot the feet of the other man uh, regarding what the, the truth is about suffering and so forth and I felt like in the one hand it, we weren't getting anywhere because one was doing world's wisdom and one is interjecting spiritual wisdom from, from God himself but I want you to see that there are people who have, who have made their, their lives like this last person they either mock it they're against it, they're opposing to it, they're scorning it, they're not listening, they're not open to it. Or the, the fool who is spoken of in the Psalms as the one uh, has said there is no God and of course refuses to believe and to consider it. All of the, the book of Proverbs has these four people in mind and as you go through it, I want you to see that each one of them, the first two will listen, but the last two don't. In order to be truly wise, what do we need? Well, we need to see that wisdom is a person. Wisdom is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. The wisdom of God, uh, that He is the power of God and the wisdom of God, the Scripture says. In John chapter 1, in the beginning, it says, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You remember that? All right, look with me at Proverbs 8. Look at verses 22 to 30. Keep John 1 in mind as I read to you from Proverbs 8, 22. The Lord possessed me in the beginning of His way, before His works of old. From everlasting I was established, from the beginning, from the earliest times, of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains were settled, before the hills, I was brought forth. While he was not, while he had not yet made the earth and the fields, nor the first dust of the world. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he inscribed a circle on the face of the deep. When he made Firm the skies above, when the springs of the deep became fixed, when he set for the sea its boundary so that the water would not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him as a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him. Who is that? It's the Lord Jesus Christ, isn't it? It's the it's a picture of the pre-incarnate Christ there at the very beginning at creation. There at creation, working alongside, bringing the world into existence. He says, I was there at the very beginning. I was constantly His daily delight. I rejoiced always before Him. It reminds me so much of what John wrote. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Nothing came into being apart from Him. All things were made by Him. And the Word became flesh and dwelled among us. And we saw His glory. Glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, the pre-incarnate wisdom has come to this world. He has taken on flesh. He has come to live in our world. And He's come to show us what real wisdom is. The Lord Jesus Christ is wisdom itself. 
He personifies wisdom in every way. Do you remember those arguments that he would have? You remember how he, what the scribes and the Pharisees would think they got him? You know, okay, we've got him now. He's over a barrel. They hand him a coin. And they say, uh, or they say, should we pay taxes to Caesar? And he says, give me a coin. And he looks at it, he said, whose image is on that coin? And they say, well, Caesar's image is on that coin. He said, okay, then give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and give to God the things that are God. They came to him time and time again. They thought they had him. They thought they were going to push him in the corner. He was going to say something revolutionary. Then they could use it against him. But every time they tried, they ended up frustrated. And it says in one place, remember they said, they refused to ask him any more questions. Uh, they were just, they'd been humiliated. And they refused to ask him any more questions. Well, I think about when Jesus spoke to Nicodemus. Jesus had greater understanding than the teacher of Israel about the new birth and what it all meant. Jesus explained to the crowds what the kingdom of God was like. Remember all the parables? The kingdom of God is like this. It's like a grain of mustard seed. Or it's like a little bit of leaven that leavens the whole lump. Or when he would talk to, um, he would talk to them about, he would reveal to them about his own work. And he would say, the Son of Man is going to come and do this. He's going to be betrayed. And then he's going to be crucified. And then on the third day, he's going to rise. And he was revealing the wisdom of the plan of God, of the kingdom of God, of the glory of his work. He was also the true son of man. He revealed that to them. He told them that he was going to be like a king who was going to come one day in his final glory. And he was going to come with all the angels. And he was going to come on clouds with the angels. And he was going to gather his people together from all the four points on the globe. He was going to bring them together into his house. Jesus was the one who constantly explained the things that they were looking to know. He explained the parables. He explained the kingdom of God. He explained his work. And the key thing we need to know is that Jesus is the source of wisdom for us. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Eternal relationship. A relationship with God forever. A relationship with the infinite God. A, real, a personal relationship with the infinite God where He knows your name. Where He cares about what happens to you every day. Where He cares about your life, about your children, about your grandchildren. Who cares about your job. Who cares about your relationship with your co-workers. God is the one who is willing to initiate this relationship with you. And it's only the wisdom of God and through a relationship with Jesus Christ that we understand these things. That life is not meaningless. Life is not uh, one of these, a tale told, you know, for a fool. This is, a life has meaning and purpose. And it's only by the wisdom of God, only by Jesus Christ that we come to understand this. John chapter 6, For this is the will of my Father, that whoever beholds the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise Him up on the last day. The, the wisdom about an eternal relationship that Jesus has with us that will never end 
because he says everybody that initiates that relationship, everybody that I initiate the relationship with, he that has the son has life and you're going to have life now and you're going to have life forever. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. So we are not to be like the simple people who refuse to see true wisdom. We're not to be like the cynical who make fun of religious faith and treat people as fools who seek spiritual things. We're not to be like the fool who says there is no God. Scripture warns us about all these things. Because the greatest prophet, the greatest wise man has come we don't have to be like the Beatles and go to India and go to some ashram and look and try to listen for the words of truth. We don't have to do that. We have the words of wisdom from God himself that we can easily read and that we can know wisdom personified in Jesus Christ. The way, the truth, and the life. You know, the Lord Jesus is the personification of wisdom. And if we're wise, we embrace His wisdom and His truth for our lives in every way. You know, Proverbs 9 verse 10 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. You have insight into the character of God, insight into the nature of the world, insight into the nature of salvation, insight into the nature of Christian living, if you know Him if you know the person who is wisdom. You're not lost in philosophy or on the treadmill of continually seeking more information. You're not trapped thinking that material possessions are going to make you happy. You're not trapped by thinking if I had just a little bit more money, I'd be secure. And you're not trapped in thinking that the more decrees, degrees or the more acclaim or recognition that you have, is what brings you hope or happiness or success. In fact, what the Bible says in James chapter 3, and I'll just read it to you. In James chapter 3 at verse 17, it says this, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy, good fruits, unwavering and without hypocrisy. The wisdom from above is peaceable, it's pure, it's full of mercy and good fruits, it's without hypocrisy. The philosophies of this world disappoint us and can't deliver security, satisfaction, or happiness. But Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life can. You know, His plan doesn't look wise. His plan didn't look wise because look what he did. He left the glory of heaven. He came down to earth where he had to suffer and to be separated from his father in a sense. He had to live a hard life. He had to be rejected by many. He had to be deserted by his best friends. He had to be spit on and crucified and crowned with a crown of thorns. He was mocked on the cross and despised and hated. But he chose to empty himself of all the glory he had with his Father so he could die and pay for our sins on the cross. He took the bad plan. He took 
the plan that we deserved, and he gave us his result. He gave us life and hope and joy and awe and wisdom and wonder and success. And he took all the judgment, all the things that our sin deserved. You know, Paul ends one of those great chapters in Romans 11 this way. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. And then he ends it like this way. For from him and through him and to him are all things. And to him be the glory forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for a glorious Savior, one who is wisdom itself, one who gives wisdom, one who gives us wisdom and enables us to have a relationship with you, with your Son, with the Holy Spirit. We thank you that we may praise you this day and that we may give you glory both now and forever for the wisdom and wonder of your plan of salvation. Help us as we grow in wisdom to make wise choices for you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.